0: explosions rocked the streets of gaza city overnight as israeli airstrikes intensified u.s president donald trump's mid-east peace plan is meeting stiff resistance in cairo the arab league rejected the proposal saying it does not respect the rights and expectations of the palestinian people palestinian oh goodness, president mahmoud abbas has cut all ties with israel and the united states including security cooperation one of the biggest myths about the Israel-Palestine conflict is that it's been going on for centuries, all about ancient religious hatreds. In fact, while religion is involved, conflict's mostly about two groups of people who claim the same land, and it really only goes back about a century to the early 1900s. Hello, and welcome to another episode of What in the World? International Relations Explained. For those of you who are new to this, and this is your first um, episode of my podcast, then thank you so much for tuning in today, and Welcome. And to briefly explain uh, to my new listeners uh, what this podcast is about and who I am. Well, I'm Sam, uh, I host this podcast obviously, and I have two top degrees in international relations and international security. And I really have a major passion in current affairs, politics and international affairs. And so this podcast aims to explain international relations in an easy to listen to way, but it also aims to bridge the gap between academic explanations which are long sometimes boring and often just really over complicated um, and they're just not accessible to the average person or people who who aren't in the academic circles but then we also have the media and media explanations which I find are the opposite of that uh, and they're short highly simplified which means that they're missing the most crucial of details And so I am to bridge the gap between these two and provide explanations on topics in a 20 to 30 minute podcast for you to enjoy and to listen to at your own pleasure. I've talked a lot about uh, different topics. Um, So we have American foreign policy I've talked about, uh, South China Sea and the issues going on there, to the United Nations. And we definitely have plenty more topics to talk about in the future because international relations is ongoing all the time. Um, So please do follow me on whatever podcast streaming service you use and and listen to, and do leave any reviews if you do enjoy. So let's get into today's episode. Today is going to be a tricky one for me to explain. Not necessarily because of the content, but because of how emotive and often at times controversial this topic is. Israel-Palestine one of the United Nations' longest unresolved topics, issues, conflicts, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to attempt to explain the modern history of of this, this issue and what I actually think should be described as a crisis. And it's not a crisis in the traditional sense of the word, but it's a crisis because we have people on both sides of the divide suffering. We have generations growing up hating each other, and often sometimes not even knowing the reason as to why they hate each other. We have people in countries far flung from the region spouting misinformation on this issue, and at times crises can erupt into something greater, which this has the potential to erupt into. So I feel this topic needs explaining, and we just need to get a good overview of the topic so you feel a bit more informed if this ever... um, This conversation ever happens in your friend circle, you see it on the news, you really know what's going on here. A small disclaimer, and I'm going to get my stance on the Israel Palestine issue out of the way right now, so people know um, what my viewpoint is, and I often find that it's a barrier to discussing the issue because of how emotive it is. So here we go. I truly believe that Israel has the right to exist. But I also believe that Palestine has the right to exist and that we must find a peaceful solution to this crisis, one that both sides want. It shouldn't be something that the West or any other country imposes on the region, but it should be a collective discussion with the international community and the people of Israel and Palestine. But I also think Israel needs to be held accountable for its disproportionate responses and its law-breaking annexations of Palestinian lands and its continued settler expansions which push Palestinians out of their homes. And of course, Palestine and Hamas and all the the PLO, they are not fully innocent and many people in their land are failed, not because of Israel, but because of the ruling elite of Palestine who often put themselves first before the people they are meant to protect and represent. Right, we've got that out of the way, and hopefully I'm not going to get any hate, but you never know. Uh, And it wouldn't be politics if everyone agreed with me, and agreed with you, or whatever. Um, And that's politics for you, and I think that's really important and healthy in in a political discussion. But we're going to explore the modern history of this crisis, and what solutions are available to try and solve this issue, and bring stability to the lives of Israelis and Palestinians. The real modern history of the Israel-Palestine conflict comes in the year 1947. This is a crucial date. And yes, people say, well, this is centuries old, potentially thousands of years old, dating back to the Old Testament, blah, 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 blah. And yes, of course, it's important to remember this. But sometimes we can't look back to thousands of years years ago to solve modern day crises. It just doesn't work. Classical history, of course, is important, but it can really only tell us a story and has very little solutions to offer. And it's also a bit of misinformation to go back to the Old Testament and really start saying about, oh, well, this is actually truly Jewish, or no, actually, no, the Palestinians were always here. That's just not true, that the conflict really comes about in the modern, the 20th century. So what happened in 1947? Well... The newly created United Nations passed Resolution 181 and this established the sovereign state of Israel. But it also established an Arab state as well, which I think many people forget. Uh, And this was done through the the partition of the British mandated control of Palestine. And it wasn't just as simple as that though. The region had been through a varied and tumultuous history of empires and control whether this be from the Ottoman Empire to the British Empire. None of whom, and I say this clearly, none of whom had the people in mind. But why is 1947, uh, why in 1947 was this an issue even being discussed? Well, the British, who at the time controlled Palestine, not the country, the region, um, and although they were the victors of World War II, they were economically struggling. And they were looking at where they could save money and they were re-evaluating their commitments in many of the regions that they had control in. Palestine being one of them, which they had ruled since the fall of the Ottoman Empire. And the issue had actually had a focus in many British circles from the earlier part of the 20th century. And none of this was more so important than the Balfour Declaration. And Balfour, who was the Foreign Secretary at the time, was trying to garner more Jewish support for his government. Um, He wasn't the head of the government, but in uh, the government. So he created this declaration, which stated the government's support for, and I quote, the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. Bold promises. They were really quite bold promises. But what actually complicates the matter is that he said this, during world war 1 or before world war 1 which the ottomans controlled palestine at the time and so he was he was preempting the the allies victory in world war 1 and of which britain would can take uh, take control of palestine which there were secret negotiations between the british and the french and they had agreed upon that's how the middle east was going to be carved up however during world war 1 the british had also promised the Arabs in the region that if they rose up against Ottoman rule, that they could take control of their own destiny, and one of that being the Palestinian region. So they had um, overly promised this region one to themselves, two to the British, uh, to the Jewish people, and three to the Arab people. Um, and so this is really quite important. So after World War One, with the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, the Brits moved in, and they decided to stay until the region could govern themselves. And this term is such a silly term, such an ambiguous and useless term, because the ruler at the time, which was the British, they often say this, They often want to, but they often want to hold on to the region until it no longer becomes valuable, and this is when they deem, oh, they're ready. But to the same extent, the people who are being ruled over often feel ready to take control, and want their freedom, which is understandable. So this idea of, oh, uh, we're just waiting until they're ready, is such a lie, and it's, you see this in modern-day history as well, in, in modern-day examples. And if you ever hear this term, be wary. Anyway, so the British have over-promised control of this region. They're controlling the region until they see fit. But whilst they are doing so, they're they really preparing this region for the future conflict that we see. They set up separate institutions for the different ethnic groups, the Jews, the Arabs, the Christians, which had all lived in relative peace up until this point. And this led to the groups having very little interaction and, as politics goes, created a mistrust of each other because they were often working against each other to put their case to the British and win the Brits' favours. And this is really where we start to see how modern history is going to harm the present day. What we also saw was increased jewish immigration from europe from britain and so forth and it had increased dramatically over this period but this was established in the balfour declaration which which encouraged jewish immigration um, to palestine and so this just made the situation more and more complicated and this came to a head in 1936 when palestinian arabs felt that their rule should be that there should be an establishment of a Palestinian nation, which there had not been at the time. It was a region, okay? Uh, so they revolted against British rule. But this was brutally suppressed by the British and with the help of Jewish militias. Uh, this was really impractical, though, because and impractical timing because for the British, they saw an increased emergency In Europe uh, with Nazi Germany and the threat of Nazi Germany. So they had to kind of appease the Palestinians and bring uh, a peaceful solution to the end. And so they created a white paper uh, which stated that they would limit Jewish immigration and that this issue should be settled within 10 years with a joint Jewish Arab state. World War II is a relatively peaceful time uh, in Palestine Um, but after the war The whole issues that had happened before World War II really came about. And the British, like I said earlier, couldn't afford to have a high military presence in the region. And they just felt it was more trouble than what it was worth. So the British gave the issue to the newly created United Nations, who then set up a UN Special Committee on Palestine, UNSCOP, uh, as it's abbreviated to. They set up an inquiry committee, which was made up of 11 countries to figure out a solution to the region, which was diverse. A region which had a predominantly Arab and Muslim um, uh, ethnic group, but it also had an established and growing Jewish population uh, due to the Jewish immigration. Ultimately, UNSCOP delivered two proposals. The first proposal being two separate states, which were joined economically, and the other which supported the formation of a single binational state made up of autonomous Jewish and Palestinian er- er- areas. The Jewish lobby group in the UN, the Jewish support groups, liked the first proposal, hated the second proposal, whereas the Arab groups hated both provo- proposals. And after some toing and throwing, the committee came up with a revived plan, which the Arabs still hated, and... Uh, which partitioned Palestine very badly. And I mean, go look at Resolution 181 and look at the map at which they drew. It looks like a jigsaw puzzle. And I have no idea why they thought that this that this wouldn't lead to problems. It's impossible to really comprehend how this little area, when it's created into a jigsaw, could truly lead to peace. But anyway, Israel was created, which immediately created a war with uh, Arab states uh immediately Uh, and this created the arab israel war which the israelis won pretty clearly after nine months and they gained victory uh, which was pretty impressive considering that they were only newly created and they gained a lot of land from this victory and a third more than they would have under the un proposals and jordan then controlled the west bank and egypt controlled gaza the Gaza Strip. And so this is really where we start to see the idea of Palestinians or the Palestinian ethnic group because people often forget Palestinians are not just Muslim. Palestinians can also be Christian. They can be whatever. It is, it is an ethnic group, not a religion. Um, and so we, this is really uh, where we start to see them, this idea of them being a stateless ethnic group because they now have no homeland. The homeland that they had is now under control, whether it be the Israelis, the Egyptians or the Jordanians. Now, this wasn't the end of the Israelis' uh, conflict-ridden birth because in 1967, tensions rose uh, rose again and this led to the six-day war between Israel and other Arab states. And after six days, uh, Israel had won and now controlled basically vast swathes of land. The UN tried to get involved again uh, created another resolution, which is hugely important. And it stated that Israel should withdraw from all occupied land, it had won. And there should be the establishment of a Palestine and an Israeli state. Well, we know this didn't happen. And actually, Israel began the establishment of Jewish settlements in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, which attempted to further displace more Palestinians. And so this issue led to the Palestinians protesting against Jewish rule. Firstly, in a relatively peaceful way and against many things that often maybe you and I would protest against in your own country, whether that be taxes or social issues. However, the Israelis cracked down pretty hard and the protests turned violent, leading to what is known as the first uh, intifada, uh, meaning like the shaking off or the struggle. Uh, And this saw the birth of militant groups such as uh, Hamas. And these came out of the woodwork, and they started an armed conflict against uh, Israeli forces with suicide bombings and weapons, and and so forth uh, so forth. And whilst the Israelis managed to nip this conflict kind of in the bud, um, it was pretty brutal. And but it also sparked the real wave of modern peace talks that we see between Israel and Palestine, with the first of this being the Oslo Accords. And the Accords there there was two, and mainly they kind of agreed upon these principles that israel was to withdraw from jericho and gaza and eventually the west bank there'll be limited autonomy for the palestinians in those area, in those areas there will be an election of like a palestinian legisl legislative oh my god I can't say it. legislative council uh, thank you for bearing with me and the establishment of a palestinian police force and the question of jerusalem was always like pushed to pushed towards the back um, then we get Oslo too, uh, like I said, but we also get an open letter by Bill Clinton, the president of the United States who supported the establishment of a two state solution. And th- the United States and Bill Clinton was so close to achieving this. And this is probably the closest we've ever come to a two state solution, but due to American and Israeli politics, um, this failed and the, actually the situation got much worse and we're kind of where we are today. Then we get to the second intifada and this began after at the time the then Israeli Prime Minister, um, he des- desecrated the Islamic monument, the Al-Asqa Mosque, which is the third holiest site in Islam by taking a thousand armed guards up there and and basically desecrating the monument and uh, doing like a two fingers up to the muslims and the palestinian people uh of who of many are um muslim and so the second intifada began and this was much more bloody and was more terrible to civilian populations on both sides than the first one was um and was 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 pretty brutal and gruesome after this uh, in the pursuing month, months and years Israel built walls around settlements and it grabbed more land and then because of this the Palestinians and the uh, uh, Hamas because they, they saw this as illegal land grabs they launched rocket strikes into Israeli territory and then Israel would retaliate and respond with arms that were just far greater and far superior than anything Palestine has or holds on to um, and so it's just been a terrible time for civilians. Uh, constant war, constant conflict, tensions are always high. So we see here that the history is complicated, but also conflict-ridden. And it's not as many people would like you to believe all to do with Israel. Whilst, yes, some of the conflicts uh could have been avoided by maybe less Israeli uh, action, um, it's impossible. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. But often people forget that the birth of Israel was one of war. The UN established the right for them to exist. But many Arab countries did not recognise this right. And war broke out. And these Arab countries lost. They gambled and lost. And they lost hard. They also took control of Palestinian lands as well. Whether this be for the protection of Palestinians is always debatable. Um, So the whole history... Needs to be looked at by some people. They need to realise that. Israel was threatened from the very beginning. And it still continues to be threatened to this day. Does that condone what Israel does in the region? Absolutely not. And some of its actions against Palestinian civilians. Is horrendous. But history. Needs to be looked at as a whole. You can't pick and choose pieces. So. Let's get to the solutions to this crisis. And. Whilst there are many solutions, I'm only going to try and explain the more prominent ones, ones that we may hear on the news or in academic circles. So we have the one-state solution, it's also called the binational state, and this would create one democratic, secular state in which both Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs would live as citizens with equal rights. Those who support a one-state solution generally see separating Israel and Palestine, Into two states is just too hard. It's impossible. We can't please everyone. Uh, The population is also just too intertwined. And reaching agreement on things like borders and Jerusalem and the Palestinian refugees is just too complicated. And a once prominent Israeli supporter of the two-state solution, um, Avram Burg, um, who actually then later supported the one-state solution, wrote, and I quote, A quarter of a century on from the Oslo Accords, the two state solution lies in tatters. There is no peace process. There is very little hope left. And yet, somehow, we must still find a way for Israelis and Palestinians to live side by side with equal rights within a single international border. It is time for a progressive one state solution. The issue is, many Israelis unfavourably view a one state solution as one that would destroy the state's Jewish characteristic and undermine the security of Israel. And granting citizenship to all Palestinians would render Jews as a minority and essentially eliminate the world's only Jewish state. Plus, a one-state solution still comes with logistical problems of its own, not least of which who would keep the peace between the two peoples who have been at war for more than half a century. So that's quite a complicated one. And whilst it's a very prominent one, is one that is often looked upon as as too hard as well to to implement and something that just may not actually happen. Then we come on to what people see as the most viable solution, the two-state solution. And this plan would create two states for for two peoples, Israel and Palestine. Hypothetically speaking, the Israeli state would retain a Jewish majority, thus remaining a Jewish state, and the Palestinian state would have a Muslim Arab majority. The plan sounds good and was actually close to being achieved like I mentioned with Bill Clinton and did have the support uh, uh, amongst both the Jewish and also the Palestinian population and was a solution that wasn't far away and is one that I personally support because I believe that both countries have the right to exist, uh, the right and legitimacy to exist. However, the issue is now that polling suggests that support for this amongst both populations has fallen quite dramatically which is supported in a 2021 report by rand corporation and it just doesn't have the majority support that it once did basically kind of throwing this out of the water if they can't agree um, that's not to say in the future that you couldn't convince these people and persuade them but ultimately i think the peace process really comes down to support amongst both populations also An issue with the two-state solution is that the mainstream version states that the borders should return to uh, pre-the Israeli-Arab war number two. And this would be hugely unpopular in Israel. And it seems something that Israel just doesn't really care about because over the years, as I've alluded to, Israel has actually created many settlements in Palestinian areas, which according to the UN is illegal and according to international law is illegal. But then Israel will counter this by saying, well Palestine isn't a state so it's not against international law. And so there's so many issues that would need to be addressed that it's such a complicated matter and and I don't know if the two state solution would even be able to address these issues because borders are hugely complicated to issue in international relations. But also, also quite crucial in this peace process is getting on board other Middle Eastern states because well it's, it's all well and good putting an end to this crisis. But if the other countries don't recognise Israel and continue to threaten Israeli sovereignty, then it's just going to carry on. And one crisis that could be solved by a solution may just turn into another crisis and conflict by, by another war between this, the, the countries. However, some progress has been made. And I'll give credit to the Trump administration. I uh, didn't think that I would do this um they're not they're not the master plans of it's not the master stroke of diplomacy but they did do an okay job here uh they made four arab countries uh them being the united arab emirates sudan morocco and bahrain uh recognize israel and open up diplomatic relations which is hugely important um but this isn't because they love israel now it's actually a greater geopolitical play um, because all these countries are hated, uh, sorry, are united in their hatred and mistrust of Iran. And for the Gulf states, Israel is a hedge against the declining role of the United States in the region, as well as a rich trading partner with a high-tech economy. For Israel, ties to the Gulf and Gulf states uh, it, eas- it eases its isolation and are a way to counter pressure from Palestinians to negotiate a new state since the backing of fellow Arabs is the linchpin of that long campaign. A weaker Palestinian cause is better for Israel, as they will be able to get away with more things, and Arab states may just turn a blind eye. Um, and so as the geopolitical game continues in the Middle East, more and more countries may turn to Israel to help hedge their bets against Iran. There are, of course, other solutions to this issue, such as confederation, federalism, etc., etc., Uh, However, however, the issue with these solutions is that they just don't consider the wishes of the people and often are just in the fringes of any discussion and uh, just aren't prominent in any Israeli-Palestine discussion. But I will say this. Israel needs to halt its human rights abuses. But Hamas and other militant groups also need to stop with their rocket attacks. The international community also must play a huge humanitarian role in this crisis and ensure the poor people, those who are also displaced, those who are injured, those who are poverty ridden and those who are suffering, don't suffer any longer. And they need to pressure Israel to make sure this does not happen. There has to be peace in the region. There must be peace in the region. The leaders of these countries, they don't suffer. They don't bear the hurt. They pretend they do, but they don't. It is the people on the ground who suffer and the people who feel the hurt. And it's just not right. So there must be peace in this region. And hopefully we will see that in our lifetime. Well, thank you for joining me on my podcast on the Israel-Palestine issue. It's quite a complicated issue, but hopefully I've provided an overview of my topic more than you will ever see in the news, but also less than what you'd see in academic circles. Because I want to bridge that gap and not make it boring and... And people tune, tune out of it. I, of course I've missed out some details but I've done this so that hopefully I've just created a stepping stone for you to go and do your own research and continue your journey of knowledge on the Israel Palestine issue. So do go and read more, watch documentaries, look at news from a variety of sources, not just one. And always make sure that you check your check your facts and make sure that they're accurate. Next week we're going to look to Russia. We're going to look at what has happened to democracy in this country and we're going to look at the topical issue of what's going on with Alexei Navalny and explore this area of um, oppression of uh, political opposition and opposition leaders in Russia. So hopefully see you next time. Uh, Thank you for listening and goodbye.